Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and our week in IndyCar show. Our man Brian Barnhart, former IndyCar president, former IndyCar chief steward, now the president of Harding Steinbrenner Racing, gives us some great updates about their plans moving forward. Not everything is cast in stone, but definitely some insights on the process they are currently involved in. Had about half an hour or so with Brian, actually between interviews with their team members to try and decide what might happen next season as Harding Steinbrenner Racing is folded into Andretti Autosport under the Andretti Harding Steinbrenner banner. Also have a fun, I guess, background story behind Brian's Give Me Four Good Ones line, a fairly famous one that he would deliver to each Indy 500 qualifier. A little bit of background as well from Brian about whether he would want to punch some of us in the media for things we've said in the past. Uh, all kinds of great stuff from Brian. Again, didn't have a lot of time here, but we definitely plan on having him back and very gracious of Brian to make time for us here. As always, want to say thank you to our partners at Cooper Tires, also to the Justice Brothers, Definitely to torontomotorsports.com and Bell Racing Helmets USA, all four who make our little podcast possible on a weekly basis as I watch our cat Rosie jumping up on my temporary desk here, biting a lot of things. Thanks, Rose. So that's about all I have for you here. I've already posted our listener Q&A. It's about two and a half hours worth. All the goodies you sent in via social media for us in particular for me, and so you might give that a listen, give you a little bit more insight and depth on a lot of things there leading into that show, but for this week, just going to keep it really tight and efficient, so let's get going with our man, Brian Barnhart, about 30 minutes of fun, brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets, USA here on the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, and our Week in IndyCar show Available at all times on marshallpruittpodcast.com. Brian Barnhart, thanks so much for making time. This isn't your first appearance on my podcast, but I believe this is your first on my week in IndyCar show. You're calling us during a busy day in Indianapolis. Lots of things happening there. First of all, you still soaking in the joy of whooping everybody's butt to close the season in Monterey? Uh, well, thanks for having me, Marshall. And, and thanks for reminding me of that memory because it, yeah, it is still fresh enough and, and perfect weekend all the way around, you know, with the open test on Thursday and the practice sessions and getting the pole sweeping the race and leading 83 out of 90 laps as, as the season finale race, you literally cannot envision a better way to wrap up a season and head into the off season other than thinking about how perfect that weekend was all the way around. Got you for just about 30 minutes. And that's because again, you are busy there at the Harding Steinbrenner racing home front, a ton of great questions for you. So I figure let's get cracking, get through as many as we can. A couple of these are actually right on that exact topic, really looking to the future. I think a lot of folks really came to love themselves, some Harding Steinbrenner racing. So we'll start here with Mark Pesky, who says, in last week's podcast with Colton Herta, 
He mentioned several team members of his current program will be making the jump to Andretti Autosport. He asks, does this include driver coach Alan Jr.? And if so, is little Al working for Michael Andretti one of the signs of the apocalypse? (laughs) (laughs) So I know that's a very specific question on little Al. Uh, and we've got another question here from Neil Joseph asking you what it's like working again with little Al, knowing that you worked with him back in the day, driver mechanic relationship, but let's maybe open this up a little bit wider since it is probably the biggest topic at hand. We know that Colton is headed to Andretti in a fifth full-time entry. We know that some of the current team are headed there. What can you tell us about how this transition process might go? If you have any idea on how many people might make the move from HSR to Andretti Autosport and the Andretti Harding Steinbrenner entry coming in 2020, I know it's really been the the topic, main topic of thing you've things you've been working on since you've gotten back. Well, to be honest with you, it's it's really something that has kind of come out of nowhere and caught us off guard because the original plan that was created in 2018 with this partnership when it was envisioned it did not contemplate taking the harding steinbrenner car in-house at andretti racing andretti autosport in 2020 it was it was not part of the original plan to do so it was designed to be a three-year relationship with Andretti Technologies, uh, where Harding Steinbrenner Racing really was a development program. And we were we were focused on developing personnel. We were focused on developing components. Um, we were focused on developing relationships, sponsors, you know, whatever, and and looked at that being a three-year program. And it did not, as I say, contemplate that after only one year of existence, this thing's now going to take the Harding Steinbrenner operating in-house at Andretti Autosports. So it's, it's been accelerated mainly because of our successes with this program, which was a fairly unique concept and program that in its first year really showed um, – how creative it was and how successful it could be um, to the point where it clearly attracted the attention of other people specifically towards Colton, who did nothing short of a magnificent job in the, in the race car. We kind of scratched the surface. If you go back to Sonoma in 17 when, yeah. or in 18, when we ran Pato and Colton there and Pato made the fast six and, you kind of had the idea that this thing in 19 might be pretty cool, but I still don't think anybody envisioned it being as successful as it was this year. Colton excels and then all of a sudden becomes um, kind of a wanted man with the the Schmidt-McLaren deal and, and was getting wooed by other people, even though, he had a contract and but there was options for him to go other places so the the merger of Harding Steinbrenner and Andretti is accelerated by our successes and protecting the investment in Colton Herta 
and keeping him long term in what will amount to the Andretti family uh, through the new proposed relationship of Andretti Harding Steinbrenner Racing. So it's an accelerated program that's long winded to try and get to your point of there's so many details associated with the logistics move, the parts, the people, everybody from management people to driver coaches like little Al to um, the, the shop floor guys, you know, Andretti has been spectacular. Rob Edwards and and Michael and JF have all said, you know, everybody's going to get an opportunity to be interviewed and apply for positions moving up there. Um, they've got some, they've got a lot of programs under that roof now to begin with, with rally cross and with multiple in lights programs and with multiple IndyCar programs. So the personnel is, is a little bit of a tricky one because they're going to, they're going to want to promote from within. They're going to give people other opportunities off of those other programs. Uh, and, and that's the other thing that the success gives you the opportunity to pick and choose the best of the best and, and make, each program, each of the what will be the five cars under that roof, as strong as they can be with the best people on each of them. So we're just now into that process. We did a couple of interviews before we went to Laguna. Uh, most guys took the week off after Laguna for some vacation time, and we've been continuing the interviewing process with everyone on the shop floor and getting an opportunity of where they see themselves partially explaining the difference between being a little one car team and moving into a larger, more corporate environment with multiple sponsors and five cars and other programs under one roof and just how small team versus big team function and operate and just kind of going through that process with all the people. So it's, it's very complicated, time consuming and, um, one of the biggest challenges and before you even get into the equipment transition, you know, with the race cars that we have and whether it's tractors and trailers or um, sub assembly parts and brakes and gearboxes and wings and bodywork and spring inventory and shocks and all that stuff. It's going to be a lot of paperwork and a lot of, a lot of uh, detail oriented work uh, over the next month for sure guess the take-home point here which it's overstating the obvious but i know that there were efforts can't say how ongoing they were but i know that there were efforts to look around and say hey if colton were to move to andretti or even another team before all that was finalized what might harding steinbrenner racing do in terms of possibly working with a different driver next season if that was the need to keep the team going at least the plan as it is right now is in this merger between Harding, Steinbrenner, and Andretti. Uh, the current HSR team, the number 88 Honda per se, uh, we're not expecting to see this car on track with the team operating independently uh, going forward. That would be a, an accurate statement? Yeah, that that's correct. And um, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be better for all parties as, as stated, it's clearly, you know, a desire to keep Colton. Brian Hurd has a longstanding relationship with Michael and Colton has come out of the, the gate, you know, 
way better than anyone could have ever imagined uh, and way more successful in, in terms of his racecraft. And, you know, so Michael's excited to provide that opportunity to, to Brian and Colton and keep Colton and the Andretti family. So that's a great thing. But it's also, in reality, the right thing for Mike Harding as well. Um, you know, we're looking forward to continuing the relationship with George Steinbrenner uh, that we had this year. We're looking forward to expanding our relationship, not just with Andretti Technologies, but now with Michael Andretti and Andretti Autosports. So that's great. But it's, it's also the right thing for Mike Harding. You know, you look at Mike Harding as an individual and uh, he's been more dedicated and, and has probably persevered as an IndyCar owner without major sponsorship longer than any other individual that I've ever seen. And that speaks to his dedication and his commitment to keeping this thing up and going and keeping guys on the payroll and, and running this thing without sponsors. We thought we had uh, a decent in-season relationship developed with a company that uh, uh, didn't come to fruition and it really was just a setback. And Mike just kept plugging away and doing it all on his own. And we ended up uh, getting a little help from Toronto on from uh, the Capstone Turbine Corporation. And they, they were a great little help to us. And, and really one of the biggest reasons we were able to finish the season this year was them stepping up to the plate. And, and that's why this relationship moving forward is the right thing for, for Mike Harding as well, because uh, the new proposed relationship between Michael Andretti, Mike Harding, and George Steinbrenner is by far the better financial responsible position for Mike Harding to, to take as well. Absolutely. Uh, we have a question here from uh, Paul Kruper. On a more personal front, he says, Brian, is your position secure within the new team structure? And he also says, my compliments on what you have been able to do with so little money with the uh, or comparative, so little budget uh, compared to some of the other teams. So curious, have you had to interview yourself and ask you uh, if you know anything about big team corporate structures? Kidding aside, but do you have a feel for uh, what your future might look like as the the HSR team is is blended or merged in some capacity into the Andretti Autosport ship? No, not really. And then that's one of the things that it is along with everybody else that will be um, discussed and talked about moving forward. It's, it's a little bit more of a challenge of, uh, you know, one of the economies of scale of running multiple car teams is you don't replicate management. Um, so that, that is a bit of a struggle for my position of where we're at because uh, Andretti Autosport is very well staffed with J.F. Foreman and Rob Edwards and Josh Freund and Paul Ziggy Harkus. They've got, they've got a lot of great people up there right now. So, you know, I, on a personal level, I certainly will do everything I can. My, my responsibility as it currently sits is to make sure I do the best I can for uh, Harding Steinbrenner racing and, when this merger takes place physically and moves inside that building up there, I'll just try and do whatever I can to hopefully have a place to fit in up there and be as good a team player as I can be and add value to whatever that might be. Let's get into a little bit of fun here. We've got a couple of fun questions. I wanted to move this one towards the top because it made me laugh. This came in from our friend Jameen Tottle who said, Brian, 
Did you ever have the urge to knock one of Robin Miller's teeth out when you worked for IndyCar? And he also asks, what was the best driver meltdown you saw over one of your decisions? Was it Will Power, Elio Castro Neves? And I'll modify that a little bit. Just say, Jameen, I don't know why you think Brian would want to stop knocking out Robin's teeth just because he, uh, now that he no longer works for IndyCar, I think that's a consistent thing for most of us. (laughs) Uh, You know, Robin, uh, Robin's got a job to do and whatever he felt he needed to do to, to do his job. That's certainly his uh, prerogative and his choice to do so. One thing that, that people would probably be surprised to know is old timers like Robin and I, we both share the same passion for the sport of open wheel racing. And, you know, you, you may not always agree on what is in the best interest of that moving forward, but it, it isn't out of a lack of caring. And we both uh, want nothing but the best for our chosen career in our fields and and for open wheel racing to be as successful as it can be we just occasionally disagreed on how the best way might be to get there so you know i I think if there was anything i would say i think there was maybe a couple of times i wish robin might not have been as personal as he seemed to get he didn't always have the facts and um you know that's I'm, I'm guilt. I'm sure I'm guilty of that as well. So uh, we don't want to lay this t- solely on Robin's feet. So the personal attacks were were a little difficult. You know, if if your kids had come home from school and say that somebody at school said something or that their parents said something, and that's where they're getting it from. That was that was probably the most frustrating aspect of it. But other than that, Robin and I have a very good relationship. Um, you know, people may not think that would be the case based on previous but because we we've, we've known each other for so long and have that shared passion towards our industry um we actually get along very well and and, and have a good relationship so no i don't think i'd go so far as to say i ever thought about knocking a tooth out or two well there's time that's all i'm saying there's time um the guy that- Foyt was the guy that pulled his hair and slapped him around. Uh, Foyt takes care of that. Yeah, the, he was kind of working for the paddock there. So maybe we might have to get AJ <laughs> to uh, step up when needed here again. Uh, we got got two questions, uh, similar one from Simon Roffey, the other one from Jordan Darwin. He says, Brian, how have you found life after going from gamekeeper to poacher? Talking about your transition from being not only the president uh, of IndyCar, but also race director. He says, do you still find yourself judging race incidents? as though you were still an official and are there any incidents or penalties you think you might've judged differently? And then Jordan says, can you compare and contrast some of the pros and cons of being on the series side versus back on the team side? Yeah, that, that one's probably the easiest. It's absolutely. You are, when you're on the team side, you are individually focused. You are looking at every decision on how it affects you and you only. And the results of your car, your team, your driver, that's all that matters to you. You don't even think twice about big picture decisions or uh, how things are handled at that point in time. You, you are solely focused on what is in the best interest of Harding Steinbrenner Racing. And that obviously is the other end of the spectrum. When you're on the thinking body side, you are uh, more focused on big picture items and fairest of what it is to, for, uh, you know, all competitors and you balance everything from 
safety to competition to television to sponsors to fans blah 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 and it, and it is uh it's definitely night and day difference in where you're at i do think my uh, nearly a quarter of a century on the sanctioning body side was very helpful when we do our pre-event strategy meetings and talk about what they're likely to do the history of knowing these racetracks and where you know potential local yellows can take place where you're likely to go full course caution if a car gets off and and plan for that um, but it, it is definitely opposite ends of the spectrum singularly focused uh, versus big picture no doubt let's go to we gotta we're gonna wind down here so again, you're a busy man, so I do appreciate you making some time. Let's go to Ed Berg. That's a fun one. A little bit of a history, maybe. It says, Brian, what's the story behind your, quote, give me four good laps on TV during qualifying? He says, I think some people might figure it was self-promotion or like Ed. He says, thought of it as a bit of an endearing kind of win one for the Gipper kind of cheer the person on. So curious where that came from. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'll give you guys a little background on that story there. And um, I used to, you know, it, I thought in my previous role, the relationship that I had with with drivers felt very responsible for them and, and their safety and their well-being um, and was very close with a good number of those drivers. And um, when you get ready to qualify at Indianapolis, it is – it is such a unique qualifying experience. It is a 10 mile run. You are on the highest speed track with the most narrow margin of air of any track that we run. You are running in a configuration that you only run, uh, you know, a very small percentage of the time, even though you're practicing in Indianapolis for 50 hours a, a month or whatever it is, there's only the one time that you truly trim that car out and put it on such a nervous edge and you then have to hold your breath for I mean, I don't think people fully understand and appreciate how harrowing that experience is of qualifying for 10 miles. And having done that for a number of years, it was literally a little surprising to me. Sometimes the look on some of those drivers faces, um, (laughs) you know, I'll put it to you one time when, when we first started doing the uh, concept of, when we did away with the, you know, once a qualifying run's been run to completion, that car's done, you know, and only three attempts. When we gave basically unlimited attempts and multiple attempts on that thing, I remember Dario came through, and after posting a time, and he came through a second time to run, Dario looked up at me, and he goes, I hate you. <laughs> I could just tell what he's talking about. He's like, exactly what I'm saying. That's the most nerve-wracking and, and harrowing experience and then doing it multiple times certainly under the consideration and and so there was this one time that uh michael was back and uh he it was back when they were kind of paired up with panther racing and sam hornish and yeah and michael was michael's in jeopardy and not making the show and again there's there's probably not very many people that i have more respect for than michael andretti uh, in and out of the race car, the stuff that he was able to accomplish as a driver is is incredible. But then his support, again, of open-wheel racing, everything from being a multi-car owner and running extra cars at the Speedway and promoting events and 
kept Danica in the series when it was the right thing to do and, and all that kind of stuff. So Michael's, Michael's got a pretty special place for me as well. And I looked down at him and he kind of had a deer in the headlight look getting ready to go out and try and qualify. And I leaned down into the cockpit and had a very personal you know, conversation with Michael, hoping to build his confidence and wish him the best to uh, be in the race and said something along the lines of, you know, you got this, we need you in the show, you're blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And apparently some television cameras picked up on it. And then television came and said, Oh, that was beautiful. And we want you, we want you to wear a microphone all the time. And, and I remember thinking to myself, well, you know, there's, I, I don't really want to do that. First of all, I never want any of this, that to ever be about me. And that was also, you know, oftentimes a very personal relationship and conversation that I would have with those guys. Some guys needed kind of a kick in the rear and some guys needed a pep talk. Sure. You want all guys to be safe and you want all guys to be successful. And so depending on who they were and what their personality was, I tried to give them what they needed based on who they were. And when they put a microphone on me, then it was kind of like, you guys are, are not going to get what you're saying you like, because now what was once a very personal and private and individual moment between me and that driver, I now got to say the same thing to every driver. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to give anybody, you know. Give me four uh, good laps. Give me yeah, four good yeah. laps. So it was you, you know, three. I, 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 yeah. I, I might be able to get three out of you, pal. So aim for three. We'll see how the fourth works three, out. Three good ones out of you and one mediocre. So, best <laughs> I'm so, so it became more methodical and to make sure, because then the last thing I want is that's, that's now going to be on TV. I don't know. Oh, he's playing favorites or doing it. It's like, no, I'm just trying to, I, I wish them all nothing but success. And, some of them before the microphone would get it in a different version than after the microphone, after the microphone, it had to be the same routine, the same thing said every time. And so shit, you I'm sorry. No, <laughs> Hey, look, this is an adult show. It's all good. You, you kind of run out of things to say to them and, and how to do it. And it's like, okay, pull right off the racetrack, green flag, second time by four laps to completion. Give me four good ones. That's my best way of saying Good luck to you. I, you know, I'll take a number two of cheese, large Dr. Pepper. Uh, you should, uh, you should have just had fun with it. That's all I'm saying here. Well, yeah. let's, let's get to uh, just one or two more again. I know we've got to get you back. You've got actually more interviews to do. So we're not, we're not joking when we say you're calling in between uh, busy work here. Let's go to uh, our friend, Wendy Carr, uh, who says, Brian, will fans ever get the tell all? on guess and capstone in 2019 and you've mentioned capstone which i know myself and robin and others have praised highly for stepping up um does this go into the autobiography that goes into the the sealed crypt that says uh, do not publish uh, until i croak well no i mean i'll i'll try not to violate anything or say i sh say something i shouldn't say here it's just that what we thought was going to be a um a very good sponsorship relationship uh, didn't pan out, and there was a lot of promised deliveries of, of funding that, that, for the most part, never took place. We got a couple of small initial hits from them, and then uh, 
and then nothing materialized after that. So it was it was very disappointing that it didn't pan out because it had a lot of potential that we thought it was going to be uh, structured a little bit like a program, kind of like the Target Vendor program was for a number of years on there. Um, so I guess to me, it, it's a shame the guest relationship didn't pan out. The good news is that it did lead us to the relationship with Capstone. Oh, yeah. Jim Krause and everybody associated with the Capstone Turbine Corporation, like I said, we wouldn't have made it from Toronto to the end of the year without their help and assistance. Um, and especially the way the 88 car finished the season, the last two races with a win, two poles and a fourth place. I think uh, a lot of momentum out of that car and also a lot of momentum with the relationship with Capstone. And hopefully that's another relationship that can transfer into the Andretti Autosport, build, uh, Autosport building next year when we get together. So hopefully that can continue to grow and expand that relationship as well. Everybody go and buy yourself some capstone turbines. So we got a bunch of other questions, some of them on Loudon 2011. We'll save those for a future episode. I just thought it might be fun to cl- a little recap on Loudon. Don't try and restart in the rain. Um, or, yeah. or just keep going in the rain. I think one of the two we'll save that yeah. for a future visit, but I, I would love to close here with a final question that I just thought would cap things perfectly comes in from Andrew C says, Brian, what's your favorite Rick Gallus story? And you know what Mr. <laughs> Gallus is up to nowadays and you ever see him around the paddock? <laughs> I haven't seen Rick in a number of years. Uh, and I'll go back to, um, so at Gallus, Alan Merton was the lead engineer and with little Al and, Rick talking to him on the radio and in an Indian 92, um, obviously the cold temps and all the incidents that were taking place probably about halfway through the race, uh, we're under caution for one of those. And Rick comes on the radio and says to Al, Al Goodyear says these accidents are all happening because of the cold temperatures in the tires. <laughs> And you could kind of see all of us as crew members cringe like, oh, my God, he didn't just say that. And Al Jr., so it's an adult show, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Al Jr. comes back on the radio and says, no shit, Rick. You think I'm stupid? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that sounds very much like a little Al response. Yeah, and you could you could kind of everybody kind of looked over at Rick, and you could kind of see him kind of sheepishly, like, "Well, you know, I yeah. had to had to say it." So. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah so. Al, the uh, Goodyear says the rain falling on the track is making it somewhat <laughs> slick as well. We just uh, <laughs> want to share that uh, with you there, like Casey. Back to the old radio program they they used to have here in Indianapolis with Bob and Tom. Yeah, they used to do Mister Obvious. That'd have been a perfect. Well, well, thanks, Mister Obvious. Oh, that is awesome. Well, Brian, thanks as always for making some time. I know you're in the midst of, uh, it can't be super fun knowing you're having to work on consolidating the breakout team, the absolute breakout team of the season into uh, a new home for some of that team. But nonetheless, we'll look forward to hopefully having you on here a little bit later in the year and we'll catch up on more fun. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity here, and it's definitely something I take a great deal of pride in uh, on a personal level as well as the team level, like you say. And in a series as competitive as this one is with a lot of really professional race teams and talented engineering and driver combinations, to be able to accomplish what we've accomplished in such a short period of time here 
um, is is truly remarkable. It's a real testimony to the the nature of the technological relationship that we put together, but it also uh, is a testament to the the people that we put together here from from Colton and the crew guys and, and their execution on the racetrack. It's something to be really proud of when you look at um, a seventh place in the points. And, you know, when you look back at the season, there was only two cars that had more success in terms of combined wins and poles than we had. We, we had two wins and three poles uh, for a total of five. And Newgarden had four wins and two poles for six. Pagano had three and three. Uh, and when those are the only two cars that beat you and they finished first and second in the points, um, that's pretty incredible for a little startup one car team to be able to accomplish what we did this year. So we take a great deal of pride in it. Sandwich between a Chip Ganassi racing entry and an Andretti Autosport entry ahead of all the Rahal Letterman Lanigan entries, Dale Coyne, Schmidt Peterson Motorsports, Ed Carpenter Racing, AJ Foyt Racing. Yeah, uh, not so bad there coach we're, we're, we're really proud of it and again thanks for the opportunity to to join you here uh, my best to you and and everything you got going on as well and anything i can do for you in the future just let me know thank you my friend